Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. We thank you tonight for your word. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will fill this place and every place with this message will be heard tonight. That those who are hearing this word can receive what the Spirit has. Holy Spirit, anoint our ears, our hearts, our minds, so we can receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated around the church tonight. And we're going to start in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. While you are getting there, let's set the stage a little bit. In the middle of the chapter, Jesus healed the man who was lowered from the ceiling in front of him. He forgave his sins. And he said, rise, take up your bed and walk. He did. After this, Jesus was walking down the street past the publican office, there known as the tax office. There, a man named Levi, who will become better known as Matthew, he is there conducting his business. The ones who are at his table, they personally don't like him. Why? because he's basically a tax collector who is ripping them off. Just imagine for a second. The tax bill is $100. Matthew would say $150. What? That's highway robbery. No, that's the law. Hand over the money. And then Matthew, as a publican tax collector, he would pocket the 50 and start to get rich that way. Every publican was known for this throughout the Holy Land to make matters worse because Levi, or Matthew, was working for the Roman government. Everyone thought he was a traitor to the country. They didn't like him. They viewed him as someone worse than a sinner. Someone Jesus should have absolutely nothing to do with. So what happens Jesus goes by his table and says, follow me. Now, here's Matthew. He's got a pretty cushy life. Yes, everybody hates him. They accuse him of being a sinner. But he also has a steady job with very good income. In the natural, there is no reason for this man to get up out of that chair and follow Jesus. Yet something leads him to follow Jesus. The spirit moves. Matthew is out of that chair. And the next thing you know, he's giving up his cushy life, his life of earning a lot of money, to follow Jesus. Before they hit the road, Matthew throws a feast for Jesus at his house. And there are the friends of Matthew, the publicans, and the sinners. They are there enjoying the company of Jesus. Now to make matters worse, you'd think everything in a party would be happy and joyful. But here are the scribes and the Pharisees. 
Let's start by calling them uninvited guests, because I don't think Matthew would have invited the scribes and the Pharisees to the party. They invited themselves. Why? Because these self-righteous fault finders were there to try to find problems with Jesus. They were there spying on Jesus, trying to find something wrong. The first thing they mentioned was what? Why are you here, disciples? Don't you realize you're in a party with publicans and sinners? Immediately, these scribes and Pharisees, self-righteous, they immediately try to make the disciples of Jesus feel lower than dirt because they're at this party. Jesus intervenes. Jesus says the following, chapter 5, Verse 31, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So, Jesus says, I am here because this is where I am needed. These people, the publicans and the scribes, they need to hear my message so they will change. The scribes and Pharisees, then what did they do? They said, why did the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise, the disciples of us, but yours don't fast. Again, an attempt by the self-righteous, not the disciples of John. They're not at this party. The Pharisees and the scribes, they are using this to try to make Jesus and his followers feel like they are not righteous at all. Jesus, once again, comes to the defense of his own. What does he say? He says, can he make the children of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? In other words, I'm here. The Son of the living God is here on earth. We're celebrating. But then the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them and then they shall fast in those days. Now, before we get to where our text is going to be tonight, let's describe the three groups of people who are in the room. We've already mentioned them in passing. One, the publicans and the sinners. These are the ones, even in this society, where they follow the Old Testament law, they know they're sinners. They know they are doing wrong. And they don't care. They really don't care at this point. If they cared, they wouldn't be sinning. And they wouldn't be, well, doing what the publicans were doing, ripping off the people. We have sinners in the room. The second group of people I want us to focus on, the scribes and the Pharisees. They're self-righteous. They are trying to get everyone to follow their path to heaven, a path they cannot keep themselves. They are busily trying to earn the favor of God. We've got a third group of people in here. Who are they? 
they're the disciples of Jesus. They follow Jesus. That's the one thing the disciples have in common. Now, our text will be verse 37, 38, and 39. And no man puts new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, which both are preserved. Verse 39. No man also having drunk old wine straightway desires new. For he says the old is better. Now, let's see what's going on here. We have three groups of people in the room. The publicans and sinners, the scribes and Pharisees, self-righteous, and the disciples, the followers of Jesus. Now, in this environment, Jesus tells this parable. Now, in many circles, when we hear this section talked about, they kind of misread it a little bit. What do you mean by this? There are those of one generation who attack another generation of believers and say, you're a bunch of old fuddy-duddies because you don't do things our way. Therefore, you are old wine and old wineskins. And then the other generation turns around and says the same thing to that generation. Let me drive home this point before we go any further. All believers in Jesus are new wineskins with new wine. Are we together on this? I don't care if one is saved today and the next one is saved a hundred years from now or is a hundred years old. Because they are all believers in Jesus. They are new wineskins with the new wine. This is not talking necessarily about believers in Jesus after the events of the cross. Now let's look at the reality of the three groups in the room. Starting with what I just said. Jesus had not yet been to the cross. The way we are saved through faith in the finished work of Jesus, has not yet come into effect in this chapter because Jesus had not yet been to the cross. We're on this side of the cross. We are saved by the blood of Jesus. They're on that side of the cross. They're not there yet. Now, all three of these groups, they do have one thing in common. To use what we have been seeing in Romans 6, the old man is still alive in all three groups. The publicans and sinners, 
the old man is very much alive and well. The self-righteous, they would deny that the old man is alive in them. But the fact of the matter is that the old man is alive in them as well. The disciples. Now, what did we say? Jesus had not yet been to the cross. Keep your finger in Luke chapter 5. Let's go to John chapter 17. Here's the condition of the disciples at this point when the feast was being held. Let's start with verse 11. John 17, 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep them through thy own name, those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them by in thy name. Those that you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost, save the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Right at this point in Luke chapter 5, it is Jesus who are keeping his disciples safe. While I was with them in the world, I kept them. So Jesus is keeping them at this point. But Jesus has not yet been to the cross. So the new man cannot come to life inside of them just yet. So all three groups. The old man is still alive inside of them. Using what we just saw when we read Luke chapter 5. Verses 37, 38, and 39. Let's call them old wineskins. Old wineskins are basically those where the old man is still alive. Now, if the new wine tries to enter into each of these groups pre-cross at this point, Jesus said what? it would not be able to hold the new wine. Example. number of years ago now, a kid left his lunch in the classroom. Okay, no big deal. I put it on the shelf. He'll come and retrieve it. What I did not realize was that there was a plastic container of chocolate milk in the bag. Of course I wouldn't know this. I didn't look inside. Well, what happened as the night went on, he didn't come to get his lunch and I forgot about it being there. The gases inside the chocolate milk began to expand. I didn't know this until later when I asked the science teacher. The gases inside the milk was expanding. Now, the plastic, it's not rigid like glass. Glass really wouldn't explode. But the plastic, being thin and flimsy, 
Well, when the gases got too much for the plastic kapui, it blew up. Next day, when I came into the room, I just saw what was left, very little. If there was a sandwich in that bag, I couldn't find it either because the whole thing was totally blown to smithereens. Now, using that example, if you put new wine into an old wineskin, the old wineskin at some point is going to go kapooey because the gases inside the wine is going to expand and expand and expand and force out the old rigid boom and blow it away. So new wine, not in old wineskins. The new wine is the Holy Spirit. You cannot put the Holy Spirit into a person where the old man is alive and well and kicking at all. The Holy Spirit cannot be in the old man. What we read in the Old Testament, what we read in the Old Testament was this, that the Spirit of the Lord was upon, not in, people. The Spirit of the Lord was upon David. The Spirit was not in David. Why? Because David is pre-cross. Old man, still alive. Those in Luke chapter 5, old man, still alive. In the self-righteous, in those who are publicans and sinners, and yes, even in the disciples. Now, as time goes on, Jesus finishes his public ministry. Now, remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus. You must be born again. This comes into play. Jesus goes to the cross. What happens? Old man dies with Christ. Old man dies with Christ. Born again, the process of the death of the old. Let's apply this to what we're seeing here. This is the end of the old wineskin. The old wineskin is like the old man who dies with Christ. Now, God raises Jesus from the dead. The new man in Christ comes to life. That is a type of of the new wineskin. And the new wineskin will be able to hold the new wine. Follow along as we discuss this here. Now Jesus, he rises from the dead. He finds his disciples in Luke chapter 24. After convincing them that he is actually alive and not a ghost. He begins to open the scripture and expound to them the importance of what just happened. That Jesus died on the cross. They shed his blood to wipe out their sin debt. That God raised him from the dead. The old man dies. The new man comes to life. The disciples, they believe Jesus. They believe in the Christ, the cross, the resurrection. 
Now, prior to this point, Jesus had kept him. But Jesus knows he's about ready to go back to the Father. So he needs to make sure that the Holy Spirit is inside these men. So what happens after they believe in the Christ, the cross, the resurrection? As written in John chapter 20, Jesus breathes on them and says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, let's walk through this using the old wineskin, new wineskin example. When God raised Jesus from the dead, the old man died. When the disciples believed in the Christ, the cross, the resurrection, their old man died. The old wine skin no longer existed. When they believed in the Christ, the cross, the resurrection, what happened? The new man comes to life inside of them. Then what happens? New wineskin. The old is gone. The new comes into being. Then Jesus says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now they can begin to receive the new wine that Jesus has. The Holy Spirit. Are we together on this? Jesus By what he did on the cross, he took the old wineskin and got rid of it to bring in a new wineskin, a new man in Christ, which would be able to house the new wine, the Holy Spirit. When the disciples believed in the Christ, the cross, the resurrection, the Holy Spirit, because the new man is now alive, is able to be inside of them then Jesus can go back to the Father because the Spirit is inside of them and they can do what Jesus wants them to do. Are we together on this? Now, that's group one, the disciples. They hear the gospel message. They are changed from old, old man, old wineskin, to new man, new wineskin. They are filled with the Holy Ghost, the new wine. Infilling of the Holy Ghost. Now, the second group. Publicans and sinners. These are the ones that society views as the lowest of the low. The ones that are unreachable, that the gospel or any message could not affect them. Yet what happens on the day of Pentecost? Follow along here. The believers, they received the baptism in the Holy Ghost, the power to minister. The people begin to hear what? The gospel being preached. First, the wonderful works of God being spoken in their own language by a group of men who would not be able to speak their languages if they tried ever again. They gather as drawn by the Spirit And Peter preaches to each and every one of them. Now, who are they? 
They are the ones that we would call sinners. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So on this day, they are hearing the gospel message. What happens? They believe in the gospel. The old man dies. The new man comes to life. When they arrive that day on the day of Pentecost, the old wineskin that was in them dies. The old man dead. Replaced by a new wineskin, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, then able to come inside of them. If you look at society today, so many fall into the camp of what we would call sinners, worst of the worst. What are they looking for? They are looking for love and joy in all the wrong places. We have the solution to their problem. The solution is what? The gospel message. When we preach the gospel message under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, what's going to happen? I don't care if they are the worst sinners in the history of sinners. When the Holy Ghost moves, people will be changed by the power of the Holy Ghost when the gospel is preached. They come in as old Sinful wineskins. And what happens? That old wineskin, that old man disappears. It's gone. It's dead. They are no longer who they are. What we offer to sinners is a change from who they are To a new man in Christ. This is what we offer to sinners. The change from the old to the new. Now when they believe in the Christ, the cross, the resurrection. When the old man is dead and replaced by the new man in Christ. When they change from the old wineskin to the new wineskin, what happens? They can receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the new wine enters into them, they can now live an overcoming life. It begins with the change when one hears the gospel message. I'll use one specific example from what we read. Levi or Matthew. I think we can safely say, knowing what we know of the background of the disciples, That Levi or Matthew was the one that the publicans and sinners, well, he was the chief of them. The ones the scribes and Pharisees would say, how dare you be a disciple? You're a publican and a sinner. Yet what happened by the time Jesus finished with them? He's not a publican or a sinner anymore. He's not even Levi anymore. He's Matthew. He's a new creation in Christ. 
The old man is dead. The old wineskin is gone. When Jesus said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost entered into Matthew. The new wine. Believers in Jesus, get what I'm saying. By the time Jesus was done with Matthew, he was no longer who he was. He became a new mind, a new man, who could have the new wine. And anyone who is a sinner who believes in the gospel, the same thing can happen to them. Are we still here? Now let's look at the third group. Self-righteous. The scribes and the Pharisees. These are the ones who thought they were above it all. They thought they were more righteous than the publicans and sinners. They thought they were more righteous than the disciples. They even thought they were more righteous than Jesus. Them coming to Jesus for help? Why would they? They had already arrived in their own mind, not realizing that in the sight of God, their righteousness was nothing but filthy rags. Now those in the room on that day, they were condemning everything in sight. Now usually we would say, it's pretty hard for one who is self-righteous to believe in Jesus. But then there is this example in Acts chapter 9. In Acts 7, we read about a man named Saul of Tarsus. Saul is what? A Pharisee's Pharisee. He's the one who wants to keep all of this himself. He's the one who thinks he can keep every speck of the law, even everything that the Pharisees added on. He thinks he could do this. Now in Stephen, when he testified, when he talked about Jesus, he can say that Saul of Tarsus got a little taste of the new wine. But as Jesus said at the end of the verse, at first he said, the old is better. Why do you think Saul, after that experience, begins to persecute the church, trying to wipe out every believer from Israel and the surrounding region. This Saul of Tarsus, self-righteous, as he would describe himself. Yet what is he doing? In his self-righteousness, he is trying to do so much that he can earn the favor of God. See God, I'm wiping out all those evil Christians. And many would say, a man like that cannot be saved. But Jesus has a message for the church. Not so. It was Jesus who confronted Saul. Saul, 
Why are you persecuting me? Go to the street called Straight. Go and wait for Ananias. Then Jesus went and spoke to Ananias. Go speak to Saul of Tarsus. I told him you're coming. Now here is Ananias. He is the language of this chapter. Ananias would be saying, He is unsavable. He's a man where the old man is running rampant. He's an old wineskin's old wineskin. He can't be saved. Yet Jesus is saying, yes, he can. I'm talking about a gospel that can even save those who are self-righteous. A gospel that can save anyone. Saul of Tarsus, he's the very definition of an old wineskin. If he was sitting in the room in Luke 5, he would have been joining in saying, you know, you really shouldn't be here, Jesus. Why aren't you guys fasting? But now, here is Saul. The gospel gets inside of him. And what happens? Old man dies. New man comes to life. Old wineskin's old wineskin is gone. New wineskin. Able to have the new wine inside of him. Why? Because the gospel is a message that will change people's lives. Let's start to bring this to a close tonight. We have those who are outside the church. They're old wineskins. When they're beaten by the sin, by everything that they have done wrong. And the natural, they wouldn't be able to handle the things of God. But then you have the self-righteous. Those who think they've got it made. Those who don't have to do anything else because they've done it all. Both of these groups do not realize they are in the same boat. That they are old wineskins. And they cannot handle the new. But God sent His Son to die on the cross He shed His blood to forgive their sins. He raised them from the dead so they can be changed by the Gospel from the old to the new so they can receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So when we preach the Gospel to those who we would call sinners, When they hear the gospel message, when they believe in the Christ, the cross, the resurrection, 
They will be changed in that moment from who they were. The old wineskin to being a new wineskin. Being a new man in Christ. Able to have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. But also the self-righteous. You see, the same gospel that can change the worst sinner. The same gospel can change the self-righteous also. We need to understand this as believers. There is no one who is unreachable. Are we together on this? I don't care if they're from a religious background and they think that their good works is going to get them through. I don't care if they worship a false god. I don't care if they're the worst sinner in the world. When they hear the gospel, when the Spirit is moving, each and every one of them can be changed. Tonight, there are those who are listening, those who are watching, and you think, you know what? I can't be changed. I'm who I am, a rotten sinner, a member of a different religion. Those who think my good works is going to get me through, those who are self-righteous. I can't be changed. I'm too far gone. No, you're not. The fact that you're even listening means that the Spirit has drawn you to this moment. And the fact that you are listening means that the Spirit is dealing with you, saying you can be changed. Jesus died for you. He put to death the old man for you. God raised Jesus from the dead for you. All you need to do tonight is believe in the gospel message, in the Christ, the cross, the resurrection, that God sent His Son to die for your sins. And that when you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, those sins are gone, that old you is gone, and that new you have come to life. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be changed from being old to being new. You will be changed in a moment. And you will have the infilling of the Spirit and the help of God to live this life going forward. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be changed to who Jesus wants you to be. Let's stand across the church tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.